Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Good evening, Sarah. Doing well. How about you? Apparently, my voice is already fading. Oh, no. No, you can't be doing that. We got three episodes of Doom Patrol to talk. <laughs> I know, but I... <laughs> that really got me off guard. No, I'm 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 hanging in there. I'm doing That's fine. It's just been a very chill weekend. Yeah, you know? same. Yeah, same here. Same here. It was a good weekend to kick off to a new season and threw some stuff on the grill. So yeah, it was it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. Um, before we get into those three episodes of Doom Patrol, though, we there there was some quote unquote news happening and of course about my favorite company to our franchise to talk about the DCEU there was a lot of mixed stories but Wonder Woman has another release date as do most films these days and but there's also a a something was explained about how there might be rewrites to Wonder Woman 2, and there will be likely rewrites to Wonder Woman 3 because of everything that's going on. It just didn't make sense anymore, I guess. Is that is that what you understood, Will? That was my understanding, and which is interesting given that uh, I have assumed all this time that Wonder Woman 84, which also known as Wonder Woman 2, was, was in the can. So if they're going to be doing rewrites... Um, you know, that means they're going to, I mean, I would have to imagine reshoots as well. And given, given that, um, either, either if it's reshoots or maybe, maybe Patty is just t- tinkering with, uh, with the, with the cut to maybe put some things in it that was in there before and taking stuff that's in there now out. So we'll see. But, and also I think I saw where she was, uh, just like everyone at this point, uh, uncertain about Wonder Woman 3 even happening. Uh, she right. just kind of said, uh, take, she's kind of taking a wait and see approach, uh, because as we know, this, this film has been moved around. It was supposed to come out this summer and it got pushed back to, I think about October now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who, and who knows, because I mean, like you said, this week alone, people, films that were supposed to finally start coming out in July already get pushed back to August and. You know, and given what's going on with COVID, who knows now if even the August dates will will stay in place. So uh, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's just a messed up world we're in right now. It is. It is fascinating, though, because I, I like you, I'm I'm thinking it's in the can. I I get I understand we have a lot of time to think and self-reflect right now, but you spent so much money and time producing this project and you have it all ready to go and then a pandemic hits and suddenly it's not good enough and so when I first found out about this I really instantly thought you in a in 10 20 years there's going to be a lot of documentaries there's Mm going to be a lot of uh think pieces about the lost year of cinema and what 2020 could have been should have been and how that that domino effect of Mm -hmm. and then this project got canceled and that's why this one got produced and that's why like who knows i mean we've we're splitting our own timeline essentially yeah we are (laughs) and and it also it really begs the question with some of these films i know some studios have or put things straight to straight to their streaming platforms and 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 so we do know that Warner Media now does have HBO Max, and it's definitely looking for content. And this would, even though I totally understand why they would want to have it released in a big theatrical setting, you know, from the box office standpoint, trying to you know turn on investment and all that kind of thing. It begin you begin to like you know wonder when some of these big tentpole franchise films may start to end up on some of those streaming services. Uh, because it, I mean, cause I looked at, you know, I looked at Disney and Mulan. I mean, it, you know, again, it got pushed back. Um, Tenet got pushed back. 
I mean, it's not a tentpole franchise film, but again, um, oh, Tenant is for yeah, sure. Yeah, because here's here's what Tenant is. Tenant is meant for the big screen. Christopher Nolan yeah. doesn't make movies true, true. so you can watch them on your laptops. He makes them so yeah. that you can go to the cinema and have a 360 degree fully immersive experience or as immersive as you can get through this me- medium. Right. And that is why he is so hard pressed on this has to be released in the cinemas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a great point to bring up because I think whether it's the, the franchise movies with the billion dollar budgets or it's the, it's the filmmakers like Christopher Nolan, who, whose whose concept of cinema and what that means is totally tied to the theater experience. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows when COVID will end? Who knows how, even if you do open up the theaters again, who will go and who will just wait for it to be released online or who will be like, I'm not going to risk my life or even, or even want it. You know, I yeah. think a lot of, when you do get finally open up the theaters, how many people are going to be cramming to go back to them? And so what will the taste levels be like? And, and, and even the return on investment concept, maybe budgets start to drop for movies because there is no guarantee. That's, that's a very good point because I mean, yeah, I was just reading a deadline, I think over the weekend, how some, some, Areas like Vancouver, where they've been very good about um, uh, their restrictions and stuff, they are they're, they are talking about letting those studios reopen. But then you look in Los Angeles and you look in California, where the numbers are, you know, where they were moving towards reopening and, and reopening production. And now, because COVID cases are starting to uptick in those areas, they're looking at scaling that back and putting things on pause. So. It it's, it it really is a huge uncertainty for the for the entertainment industry at this point, just like many sectors, but uh, but in particular for them because again, as states were reopening their movie theaters and stuff, now they're starting some that were open or putting reopening or putting things on pause, and others are maybe you know in another week or so if things don't improve, we'll start seeing various restrictions coming back into place. So it's it, it, it's very hard. And I really feel for, uh, you know, for anyone, any, you know, all sectors, but, uh, but definitely the entertainment sector, because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely having an impact on, on the, their, their bottom line. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, I also think we're going to see a lot of creativity and I, and I'm really hopeful that movies, that were released maybe two years ago who a lot of people didn't check out suddenly there's nothing on suddenly you're not going to the theater anymore and then you find them i think that this is a really interesting time where those cult classic movies people return to or discover and it just it, it it maybe that will then reinvent the way we we view future films i don't know I mean, I know I've been going through a lot of movies. I watched Blind Spotting for the last time, which huh. you haven't seen it. Very fascinating movie. I I still have no idea what genre you would call it. It is <laughs> just um yeah, but it's something to check out. It's a very independent film that was released in 2018. So, but it's very relevant to what's going on right now. Um and I encourage people to check it out. But anyways, um, so so moving on to things that are getting released mm-hmm. and things that have been in the can and we've just been waiting for. Season two, Doom Patrol is back. Yep. And I took, I did not binge, Will. I did not binge this and I'm very excited. I literally from Friday through today mm-hmm. watched one episode a day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I start I watched episode one Thursday night and then I did watch uh I did watch two and three back to back. Because mm-hmm. after uh and we'll get into it, but uh, uh I I I I had to. 
I, I, I really did uh, for various reasons, but uh, I, this season, uh, you know, it's also been, speaking of COVID and things, uh, not to keep on on that, that, that note, but uh, just so folks know, Doom Patrol hat was also impacted by, by COVID as well. And so uh, it, there's only going to be nine episodes in season two, and we got the first three this week. So, okay. uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. But, uh, but as far as welcoming, welcoming the back, you know, I, I, this, my sort of kickoff thoughts on season two, uh, I thought the first episode was, you know, I think it has some pacing issues. But uh, but overall, I think the series is it, it so far has not had a sophomore slump. That's just my top line thoughts about it. I I think that you're right. I I went in with very high expectations, and we all know we've heard it before. When I go in with high expectations, usually they're not met, and and they weren't. But then again, I was not disappointed either. I. I just, I really liked their first episode looking back on it because it didn't, it it just started exactly where it, we left off in a way. Yep. And, and all of the characters, there were, they were, they were weaving so much exposition, but it was all, everything was active and, and and you really there was a lot of movement and there was a lot of um there was good pacing see i didn't have an issue with the episode one and its pacing because huh. i felt like everything was setting the stage for the next half i mean we all know that yeah. by the end of the episode they would be brought back to full size right but we were just instantly dropped in this is how they've been living their lives for the past few months i think i think mm -hmm. it's a few months yeah in this environment and these are the connections and this is dorothy and this is her story i think dorothy unfortunately she does have a tendency to slow everything down yeah yeah and and that makes me not like her but <laughs> <laughs> See, i was and, fast i was fascinated by dorothy See, and I, I wasn't, there was something I, because I just want to get to Cliff. <laughs> I, I just want to get to Cliff. I want to get to Jane. Yeah. Rita's in an interesting place this season. Mm -hmm. um, Vic. Okay, guys, come on. He leaves at the end of episode one. Rita appears to be the only one who cares. And for the next two episodes, no one questions where's Vic. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I, I I did not I didn't notice that that he was I mean I noticed he was missing, but you're right. No one was like, Where where is Vic? Yeah. Everyone yeah. is very selfish in yeah. a way. And yeah. and I mean we felt that a lot during the first season, but I, I kind of felt as if by the end of the first season they were a team, they were a family. Mm -hmm. And this season and the setup I think because the writers are planting a lot of seeds for this season, they had to almost separate everyone and um, to really move things along to kind of, yeah. kind of remind us, okay, this is Cliff. This is where he is. And this is what he's dealing with. This is Jane and so on and so forth. Right. Um, while at the same time, introducing Dorothy Mm -hmm. And this dynamic she has with Niles and her imaginary friends and this, this, this bond or this, this, this feeling of loyalty, I guess you would say. Yeah, I, I get that um, with, with the team. And so I, I guess what I said, as far as Pacey, I, I think maybe, it, I think it was probably just my anticipation because I, I have just been so looking forward to this, the return of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
So I, I like the way that, and, and I saw the sneak peek I mean, with, that they shared on the watch party uh, earlier earlier last week where, where they, they introduced Dorothy in there. Uh, but of course, you know, being a Doom Patrol, they, uh, it, you know, the whole circus environment and all the sounds and the atmosphere, the, you know, the workers looking up and just all the things going on, you know, surrounding Dorothy to just sort of sh- show how this poor 11 year old girl has, has been taken captive and, and, and really setting this, the, that, the, the dynamic of, you know, that why the chief had to, and Niles had to get, Niles had to, to you know, find her and, and rescue her from, from this environment, feeling, you know, again, atoning for his, his sins or aton- of abandoning her whenever he, you know, whenever we had the very weird episode in episode one where he, he did, you know, uh, stay with her, made it with her mother. And, and so, so we had all that kind of set up and it, you know, and it really does sort of flow into the whole construct of the show as far as like people having to, to you know, deal with their, their various interpersonal inter internal conflicts and dramas that they have uh, either circumstances brought on them or created because of at the end of the day, what Niles Calder did to them. And so, and so it was, uh, you know, so the way they introduced her and, and, and her, her conjuring powers of all her, all her met of her friends. And, and also one in particular, uh, the candle maker, uh, mm-hmm. was, was very, was very like in your face. And it was like, holy shit, I'm in for a good ride this season because Dorothy is definitely some a character to be reckoned with and will fit in well with the, with the rest of the team. It was Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I, I, that is probably one of the scenes that I've really liked with Dorothy because hmm. to kick off the season, it's the circus environment freaks, right? Yeah, right. And people right. who are rejects of society because of the way they appear and that has always been a theme in this show is that this group of quote-unquote heroes Mm -hmm. are also rejects they are they are lost causes and at one point in this episode they even talk about that they're niles failed experiments or Mm -hmm. i think maybe even in later episode but and that is really hard to come to terms with and i think that's why these characters, despite all of the events and progress they made in season one, are still broken because Niles, now that he's back, he's still this reminder that you did this to us. Mm -hmm. And you, and in a way you saved us, but in a way you broke us. And what do we do now? And who are we and I think at one point Rita even says, "Who are we when we can't even control our oh. limbs?" <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I really, I really liked all of that, and I, and I, and I think that the Niles and Dorothy relationship being flaunted in front of Cliff oh, really yeah. does Cliff a great a great kickoff to his whole arc this season mm-hmm. because he's being shown the very thing he, he has never been able to have and will never be able to have in his current state. And it's, and it's ironic, right? The right. writers do a very good job because Niles is envious of all of these people because yes, they are failed experiments, but they have eternal life. Right. right. And that is the very thing that he is striving after. Which, okay, another weird thing. Mm-hmm. Does Dorothy have eternal life? Um, I don't know. So that was a good question. I don't, I'm not sure if she was immortal or not. Um, but because on the one hand, you know, with the Faustian bargain that, that Niles made to be able, you know, to get the talisman, um, 
to outlive her. Um, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know if she. Ha- I guess she does have eternal life. I mean, I, I don't know if she's prepared. If, if, but, or is she just slow aging like him? She'll, she'll eventually die. Uh, but, um, I wasn't clear about that. And I wasn't clear, you know, if she is actually going to age at all because she is this perpetually as an 11 year old girl when we first saw her in 1927. And of course, in present day, after being hidden away for 66 years or however long, she, she still is this this kid right right yeah and maybe, I mean, and maybe and maybe that's just because she was in danny the brick and that's why you know maybe time it doesn't matter in, in, in danny and what maybe that's why she is still in that in that place we'll get to time we'll get to time for sure yeah, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> danny brick is also a great thing um i the, that's another thing that really uh, excited me when I was watching these episodes is how many callbacks to the first season there were. Yeah. And the the rats. Come on, guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Cliff would always go to quote-unquote feed them. Mm. He would tally, and then at one point, he even becomes rat man in yep. the episode. <laughs> 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 he comes back. <laughs> it's just it is it is those little tidbits um yeah yeah you you just you you're you're suddenly in on all of the inside jokes and you feel as if there hasn't been a time lapse because they're calling back to so many things that happened in the first season relevant things yeah yeah so any any other thoughts on the first episode uh, we can't go. We can't leave the first episode without talking about Larry, because I think because you know whereas Vic was had his where he kind of disappeared off. Larry, Larry the caretaker is. It was an interesting juxtaposition because you mm-hmm. know he's taking such good 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 care of his friends, but then when we see Larry before his interaction meeting with Niles his interaction with his son, Gary, and how right. much of a dick of a father he was. I mean, because we get, obviously we understand from, you know, from season one and even when he has the flashback with, uh, I can't remember his partner, his, his, his partner's name, who he was having an affair with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there was that, you know, so he, of course was struggling with coming out and being closeted in pilot, test pilot. But then we do we get to his family life and we see you know his son's all excited because daddy daddy you're you know you're gonna go up in this rocket ship and rocket plane and and and, and then he just like crushes his sons like it's just you know, it was just uh so it was you know so seeing that and then seeing how he was so uh, much of a caretaker for his for the for the Doom Patrol uh, when they were in fun size mode. And it, 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 it was, it was definitely, you know, again, like you're saying, reminds us how, how broken these folks are, but also it was planting the seeds for things that were, that were, were to come in, in future episodes. Yeah. A lot of father and son dynamics or fa- father and child, yeah. this idea of legacy, this yeah. idea of I am now immortal yet the, the things that make life, which is love, family, and caring, um, I I rejected mine. Like in a way, I think with Larry, he is now a freak who's rejected by society. But initially, he rejected in that moment his son mm-hmm. and his family because he, even though he as a father loved his kids, he still felt very it felt wrong because of who he was and other things he was dealing with and his love for this other man Mm -hmm. and and it felt fake it didn't feel authentic and i think that that is why and he's always been a caregiver 
to the Doom Patrol. I yeah. mean, when we first meet him on Titans, he's the one making breakfast and yeah. Yeah. so many courses. And that's always, and so it's almost he's on his own redemption story for rewriting those wrongs of what he did. And and I like it. I like how that goes into the second episode where upon finding out his son died, he goes to the funeral and comes across his other fun son. And I really, I loved that that whole scene was just really acted beautifully of you're my father who I thought has been dead. Mm-hmm. My brother just, he, it sounded like he died of suicide, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide has always thought that you were alive. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's so many emotions that that actor had to play Yeah, within those few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just hats off to both Matthew Zuck and, and Larry Balmer for, and Matt Balmer for doing the uh, voice work because, you know, it was it, that whole, that, you know, that, and that's what I love about this show. It's, it's all character driven. And, and, and yes, there is action and, you know, things we do see in the superhero tropes, but, I mean that that was a true character moment of of really you know Larry coming to you know grips and coming to realize the as you as you were saying before he was he won't be able to make up for his fake you know his 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 feelings and things he did whenever with, with Gary now and you know whenever he was in the in the barn and going through the letters and he found a letter that said uh, you know I thought you went out to space but mommy was was won't stop crying and just mm-hmm. it was just so like devastating in that moment I was just like seeing that you know seeing that and just really just feeling so so, so much empathy for Larry in in that moment uh because you know, he knowing that he's he's not going to be able to to make amends with Gary now, uh, and after seeing that letter, and, okay. and knowing that you know, and knowing that even though all would happen, even that moment that we saw in the first episode with the plane, you know, his kid, you know, Gary still loved his still loved his dad, and 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 now, you know, Larry won't be able to get that moment, but you know, but also Paul, his other son, being able to to be still open and and say look pops you know we know things something happened but you're you're still my father and and i love the way they played that scene too with with the voice as far as as far as paul being able to figure out that that was his dad there i mean just genius writing and just genius way of just acting of 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 having that scene play out uh it yeah, but also giving Larry that, that second chance to to, to, to to at least be able to have some sense of closure or whatever with his family. Yeah. And it also set up one of my favorite lines of the episode where Larry announces to the Doom Patrol that his son has died. And so they understand what, where he's going. And Cliff responds, did the chief get him to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that line too. Yeah. Oh my God. I love the humor. The humor yeah. is so twisted in this show, but it's, it is. Brendan <laughs> Frazier executes it so well every single time. He does. He does. And yeah. And, and Riley Shanahan playing, playing robot man just the just the physical mannerisms i mean it's just i mean i just that's what i just really love about this show why i was just so excited for it to come back yeah yeah so while while larry is at the funeral um we also go to detroit with vic where he ends up getting some ptsd because he's dealing with a lot of ptsd and we've Mm -hmm. seen that since the very first season um through the explosion that led to him becoming cyborg mm-hmm. and and then also everything that happened between him and Mr. Nobody and not being able to trust himself and his instincts and so we we find him 
still dealing with that and having to leave the team for a period of time as he goes and tries to resolve some of those issues and right. get laid. Yeah. Get laid. <laughs> <laughs> I I still I I still wish that there was a way for them to do this with a pair. I I feel Larry's independence in this first three episodes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then they bring it back when Rita helps him in the third episode. But, and that's what I'm missing with Vic. I'm missing yeah. that tie in. And I hope we're able to see because these characters, they, they are really good on their own, but they just raise to supreme levels when they bounce off of each other. And when there is that chemistry, because as much as they are different and unique, they are so similar and they are so much like a family that that that's what I miss. That's why what my favorite episode of the first season is D- Doom Therapy, because that's a bottle episode where it's just them. Yeah. All this weird having this weird day. And 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 so. Hopefully Vic comes back and we get some of those dynamics because um, he's part of the team and he he has a a place there. So I I, I that is what I'm missing with Vic. Yeah, I so I actually so Vic is you know he has a very interesting like role with the team because he's. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the Justice Leaguer. He's the he is the traditional superhero, and and the thing about this show is where where you you won't be able if he were like on Titans, we wouldn't be able to see this this self exploration of his indecision and uncertainty about himself. Right, uh, and so so. Because I, you know, I think, you know, thinking to your point, how to, how the characters play well, play off each other. I'm, I'm thinking his interactions this season with Rita, and, and mm-hmm. you know, given that Rita is now kind of trying to embrace the the hero role, and and you know, and the first time he he in the training and and Fun Size Patrol was him insulting her to uh, help her try to uh, realize how to use her powers and stuff. So, so even though, so, so yes, they do work well together, but also I kind of like the story where Vic is off again, sort of like whenever they were in the, um, in the, the butt farm last year, whenever he had to rescue his father, mm-hmm. uh, Vic also going through this, this group and, you know, he have, you know, with him having to turn off. His, his 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 monitor on his on his eye because mm-hmm. again you know he was still trying to hold up the veneer of i am the tough superhero who has all his, his shit put together but no he doesn't and you know for the rest of the group to like say look you know we've got to turn turn it off turn off the cyborg light so you can we can really see the the, the true you was that couldn't have ha- have happened if he was still with the rest of the team. So I think it needed that, you know, so I think they needed to separate him for a little bit so that when he comes back, he will have more confidence and in and, and himself and can really play that role of keeping things together because, you know, Cliff is Cliff. Jane is fighting, trying to, you know, of course, now with her battles with the rest of the 63 other personalities as far as her 64 other personalities trying to become the primary and her struggles. So Vic, is, I think, is going to be that centering influence that the rest of the team is going to need when he comes back to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. I understand why they're doing this in this way. And it and it's very reminiscent of what they did with him in season one. I'm just saying, let's let's keep the number of episodes limited because this this team, this ensemble cl- cast, works so well together. Yeah. 
they do have multiple episodes with them on screen together than one-off stories like don't don't pull a titans come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true i don't think they'll do that I, I i i have confidence in them that they will not do that <laughs> and it is and it is even though they only had that one scene together in the first episode it really does launch itself and build that that perfect um starting point for rita in the second episode when she is able to have a very Doom Patrol-esque superhero moment and mm-hmm. she pulls the helmet off, to, off of Dr. Time, not realizing that, oh, that's not a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> that is not. But, but she fixes it in a very smart way. And, and essentially, because they figure out Niles is now dying, they need to help him um, solve this this situation that he's been dealing with for centuries. Um, how does he keep eluding death? And and this is another thing that I don't know where I fall on it. The first season was about where is Niles. Mm-hmm. The second season is about how do we save Niles. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What the heck will be the third season? <laughs> <laughs> how do we how do we kill Niles? <laughs> yeah, how do we kill Niles? Or Niles is dead. So yeah. what do you do now? I I don't. How do we bring him back? Yeah, Niles is is a very interesting character because on the one is is he is he is he a villain? Is he a victim? Is he something in between? I mean, I that's. And I guess that's that central, as you said, it's like, you know, that was some of the central themes that they were building their seasons around. And, you know, and, and, and he is such a manipulator. And we saw that again, like in, in the, in the episode where, um, you know, how he, how he basically Jedi mind tricks him into, you know, and Cliff in particular, because, you know, you think about Cliff, yeah. You know, with this this time patrol starts out with them again having Vic and Niles having their one one on one time together, and and Cliff and, and and you know so Cliff is constantly reminded, especially now that Dorothy's there. Niles, you're getting the very thing that I that I don't have because and it's because of you, and then. You are now trying to get us to protect your daughter. At the same time, you took my daughter away from me. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and 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 whenever they were planning on going after Doctor Time to get the Continuinium, you know, he's like, "F this, I'm not doing that." And then, of course, somehow now they manipulate him back into the fold, and it's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go do this, and we're gonna go." Get the Continuinium from Doctor Time. So <laughs> now it's just a just a just an interesting character that is just the perfect foil for to just kick off so many events in this in this series. He he is, um, and I and I think it goes back to what you were just starting to say in the sense that he is so flawed, and almost the the very physical representation of humanity and how flawed we all are and how broken we all are, mm-hmm. and these other beings. Like he he's the human of the whole show. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> he, he's the lowest lane. Okay, let's not get it twisted. <laughs> um, and all of these other characters, they they want to be like him. They want to be human. They want to be normal, and and they can't because of their conditions. And and I think I think in a way, when we also think about it. All of them are projecting. Niles made some decisions and set up some situations that, of course, led to where they are now. Right. However, that I think a lot of them, or probably all of them, are still mad about their own decisions that led them to that place that then Niles was able to manipulate and, and, and do his thing. They're not innocent. In their circumstance, Rita exemplifies that I think the most out of all the characters, where she was 
such a vein and this 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 creature who dro- strived for perfection that that when she lost it all she still as she she spent decades learning how to control this and now through season 1 she realized oh this can be a hero i can I can actually do things with this. This very thing that I was trying to like push down can is now a strength, um, but it still makes me ugly. And and I think there's just something very interesting. So Niles is a very I don't know if he's a MacGuffin or if he's just the straight man that this show needs to really work. Um, I just hope that he isn't used in that way for the third season. <laughs> Because then we got some repetitious. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll bring Mister Nobody back. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll just get Rita to draw some, make, do some Pictionary. Which that yeah. whole scene with her explaining <laughs> Doctor Time was was perfect. That I love was. that. Yeah. I I also a character we haven't talked a lot about. Um, which is surprising because I feel as if when we talked first season, majority of time we were talking about her, but Jane. Yeah. And and in a way, the, we haven't gotten there in these first three episodes. Jane is is really on the back burner because they are doing a lot of setup, yeah. a lot of setup with her and the underground, and and Kay. Right, Kay is the child. So Kay is the basically is that's that's the child who, yeah. So and of course Jane is the um, primary right now, primary personality. Mm-hmm. So Kay was the one that we we learned in season one was obviously was you know sexually abused by her father and 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 so yeah. So obviously these personalities were developed within her. Uh, obviously for various coping mechanisms, et cetera. So, so yes, case a child. Uh, Miranda's another alter who at right. one point was in control, but then Correct. threw herself in the well. And now everyone in the underground is wanting Miranda to be the primary. Right. Because Jane has been using drugs to, to kind of control her. Mm-hmm. Because, because she's still, despite everything in season one has a lot of issues to go work through. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Cause I guess when we first, yeah. Cause whenever we first, uh, you know, I guess it was in episode one, it was like time for a change. Yeah. Well, yeah. From the very beginning, time from the very beginning, time for a change. And then, so all the, you know, so we saw hammerhead and we saw some of the other, the secretary and some of the other characters come out and, you know, really begin to tell Jane, look, you got to stop doping. And, 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 and of course, and even, I guess, even when, you know, thinking back to episode one, when Dorothy uh, came into Jane's tent, I mean, I think Jane was about to shoot up, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that, that dynamic, and then, of course, you know, with the, scene of Jane's finally meeting Miranda, seeing Miranda and, you know, and the whole exorcism and throwing it into the well and that whole, the whole situation there. Um, and then of course, when we get to the, to the third episode, um, Jane basically like gets catatonic on the bus. (laughs) Um, we're seeing the, you know, we're seeing that whole, you know, the whole, the whole underground just really fighting for control uh of of k right 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 absolutely anything else about the second episode second episode um i i really i, I that was the the whole sequence when they were in dr times uh uh my you know time portal where he was and mm-hmm. and also when you know whenever rita did pull out and seeing the brains you know shooting all the all the prior individuals who tried to try to get to continue con- continuum from him 
uh, in that whole sequence was was I, I really enjoyed that that whole that moment too because even though it was hokey and cheesy, it but but it also had the same level of like like danger as well. So it, you know that only this show could pull off. So I, I thought that was one of the other things that really stood out to me in the episode as far as the first three. Once we have a Danny Street episode, I I don't think anything can be hokey. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> you know, for a while, I was thinking that that episode, when I saw just the the image uh, when you go to choose the episode, I thought it was going to be all based on Danny Street. And I'm, I'm like, great, more season one tie-in. And then I, I watched the first episode and realized Danny's a brick. Yeah. But so so I thought, I, I agree with you that that is a scene that that only Doom Patrol could really pull off and it makes sense in the world, which just leads us into the third episode where, again, you have an, another arc where some of the characters travel into an interdimensional um, space because Niles has apparently met in his journeys every single immortal being so look out there. Yeah. <laughs> you might come across some more. As a kid, he encounters um, the Red Jack, and who's a demon who feeds off of pain, um, but is also now lonely and wants a apprentice, i.e. Niles, and which I didn't see coming, and I thought was a really clever thing to do because this could have just felt as if an, uh, a villain of the week, a, a we-need-to-go-save-Larry. But the fact that we knew Niles knew the um, Red Jack from, from his childhood, and then going into this third episode with this, this need for immortality because of Dorothy, and knowing Dorothy is still contemplating her wish to the candle maker and if she uses that on Niles or not, and that's his biggest fear that she would. The red Jack then says, if you're my apprentice, you will be immortal. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, yeah, that, all right. Now I understand why we're doing this. This, okay. I'm, yeah. This suddenly just raised into really an interesting dilemma to put that character in. Totally. It totally did. And, and again, um, you know, Calder, you know, I think what, what was this line that um, he needed? I think he needed, to do this to, to protect someone I love, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But um, you know it. But ha- but Red Jack asked, wanted him to be his apprentice, and then tempting him with the immortality, and and seeing that up to this point, I mean Calder has done some very heinous things to protect Dorothy. Right. So it 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 just make and really it does make total sense that he would. Once again, do what was, you know, make some deal with the devil, literally, to or to to achieve immortality, and and and, and that whole showdown with the two of them in in the dining in the in the feast room was just it was just so chilling, and I and I really felt I was like, now on the one hand, I know they can't. He, can, he won't accept it because that would just be the end of the show. But on the other hand, it I I, I did have a moment where I was like, he actually may he actually may do this. Right, right. At, at what cost, you know? And mm-hmm. I think they will continue to go back to that with Niles. the The closer he gets to that, the, the they've really in in one episode, arguably they set up the stakes for this season in a very masterfully way. And that's why as, as the episodes grow, you start to really understand those stakes more and more. And we are definitely headed to a climax where Dorothy and Niles, their, 
characters and their decisions will definitely be called into question because the stakes are so high for them. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, I'm really looking forward to that because that's just payoff right there. And I I honestly don't know how it'll happen. I mean, and a part of me wonders is, is Niles going to have to take out Dorothy because if she makes that wish, which she, she very will, that was, it was such a, the moment when she says goodnight to everyone and the candle maker says must protect father or something. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what he, he says. And she says maybe another time or something. There was, it was just this idea that she, she's smart. She, she knows exactly the card she has up her sleeve and she might do that because she wants, Niles and her to be together forever because because we we saw her at her lowest when she didn't have Niles and she does not want to go back there and I don't blame her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so yeah, that that was great and at the same time we are also this is a very heavy Larry and Rita episode as we get flashbacks to when Larry was first brought to the house and Rita was already there. And him finding finding home in that in that memory, while at the same time um, being being placed in this house of pain, so to speak, and and her trying to rescue him, and while he is is in a lot of pain because of what he realizes he missed out on. Mm-hmm what his rejection of his kids and, and a lot of stuff. Uh, what were your thoughts about these two in this episode? This, I mean, this was, this was a pretty dark episode when you think about it. what mm-hmm. all transpired. I mean, not only, not only dark in the sense of just the tone, but also the, how things that the paint, I mean, the, I mean, Larry was literally up on racks getting mm-hmm. physically, tortured by by red jack and and for red jack's pleasure so he was dealing with all of that while also reliving all the emotional trauma that he had coming to doom manor and coming to and and reliving all the as you noted the things that he has done in his life and the mistakes he's made and 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 of course rita you know, uh, we 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 saw some of that in the first season, and I like the way they caught they again carried it forward into the second season because it really helped to show how Rita, of all the characters that we've seen so far, she's probably the one that has grown the most. And for her to go with the chief into to to rescue Larry from Red Jack. You know, gets to our point that we made earlier tonight in that she is starting to embrace this hero thing, and so it made total sense for her to go do this with the chief. And so I, I liked I, I liked that because it sh- again, it's, it's it's showing growth with these characters, and and even though it was a, such pain that Larry was in, um, when they realize as you know, once they you know, and the physical pain that they both were in whenever Red Jack was causing them to morph into the butterflies. Yep. Um, whenever they were over able to overcome that, with, you know, when the chief also defeated Red Jack and, you know, they realized as they're walking down the hall how all these butterflies are all the victims of, of Red Jack's uh, torture chamber to for his for his pleasure and breaking them free. It was also, met, you know, it was also for them, that same kind of breaking free, we're breaking free from all the crap that we've been dealing with all these years. So hopefully as we move forward in the season, we'll start to see them grow uh, from, from this experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it, again, something that they are really doing well, and I think is why a lot of shows fall into a sophomore slump is because the second season will re go beat for beat what they did the first time around mm-hmm. and it never works. And in a way the, the writers have, 
have really been smart in making everything feel very reminiscent without feeling exactly the same. There, there has been progress with these characters, mm-hmm. but, but they are still the same crew who we met at the beginning of the show. And, and this is the same world that they spent a lot of time really crafting so that when you encounter characters like Red Jack or Dr. Time, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Dorothy? Yeah, yeah exactly. I get it. Yeah, we totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> we were fighting rats at one point. I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, rats and cockroaches were making out on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The image I never want to see again. So huh. thank you. But, but yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I just, I just, because I remember early on in the first season, Larry and Rita had a lot of screen time together and this episode brought it back. And, and that's, again, goes back to my thoughts about Vic is that these characters may go off on their solo, solo missions, but what makes them a team and what makes them family is the fact that it always they, somebody else has to go and find them to bring them back. I mean, beyond this pairing, we also got the classic Jane and Cliff dynamic. Arguably, though, it wasn't it wasn't on par with season one because Jane, as much as she tagged along for this adventure, she is definitely not in a place where she can be Cliff's cheerleader or stand-in daughter. She yeah. she has some stuff that she is working on, and she doesn't have time to help him, which then of course makes him. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very disastrous. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's a way, Cliff, and there's not a way, and you just chose the wrong way, my friend. Yeah, tensions. Yeah, he 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 finally meets his daughter. And it and it goes the worst way. He, he, he she calls cops on him and yeah. some funny moments. And Cliff, who just he yeah yeah I don't I don't know what to say. Yeah, Cliff. Yeah, it's Cliff. Cliff was Cliff. And it, to your to your point about if Jane was in a better place, her she mm-hmm. would have prevented that all yep. of that from happening. Yeah. Uh, but since she wasn't, clearly it just went, I mean, to say it went sideways is like the, the probably the biggest understatement I've ever made on this show. Because... I mean, he, if, if I, if I remember correctly, I even thought there was a scene or two in season one where he wanted to go meet his daughter and Jane or someone else on the team would always step in and say, that is not a good idea. Exactly. And, here's why. and, and talk yep. some sense in him. But there was no one to do that. Nope. Which led to him um, becoming to be selfish. And yeah. to say, no, I'm just, I, I got to do this. I'm sick of tired of watching Dorothy and Niles. And, and I want that. I... I want to feel something. Oh man, when he when he tell Glazen and Niles and says, "You better hold her, yeah. because if you end up like me, you're never gonna feel that again." And and that was such a moment where this is why I love Cliff, despite him being Cliff. Yeah, because. He will say a line like that, and yep. you realize how much pain. Like, he's a tin man, but he mm-hmm. is in some severe emotional pain because yes. he cannot feel anything. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very powerful moment. You're right. Yeah. You're so right. And, yeah, I mean, that – and then we see that at the end. And also thinking about when we see Cliff with his own father. I mean, it's yeah. a very small scene, mm-hmm. but it was a very pivotal one because it really – you know, you know – Especially when he, when he delivered that line to Calder about holding her, yep, and 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 shows how he did not want to end up just like his old man. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so yeah, that 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 whole arc 
was was very very strong and even you know even they, they talk about callback to the first season and he was like talking to Claire he's like remember I left the watch at the at the at the restaurant the, the stop the the you know where he wrestled it from the alligator so yeah. it's just and and whenever she realizes that that's the case and realizes that that is her father but you know when we see her in the in the baby shot in the in her her home and her friends are consoling her just so many like emotions that were that were that were that was a play in in that scene that um you know and again if jane had been in a place where she could have stopped him or vic was there like you said if you know if he wasn't back in detroit someone could have prevented him from really probably ending any chance that he may have of, of establishing a relationship with his daughter right right absolutely the the final moment in this episode well i don't know if it's a final final but um pretty much this episode ends with dorothy breaking danny danny brick mm-hmm. <laughs> and which i'm sure will lead into the fourth episode any final thoughts will final thoughts uh speaking of vic and and even though he hooked up, it was a very awkward boyfriend, awkward, like, let's have a relationship moment was pretty funny because, you know, Ronnie just really wasn't there. But, of course, again, showing how Vic is just still very awkward. But also, whenever they did agree to have a date, and and then he, of course, goes into cyborg mode and, and finds out that she's a war criminal. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it, to your point, him being off with the from the rest of his teammates and how he's going to deal with that, especially given his very weird, you know, very like, I don't want to say a strange relationship with his father, but it is. I wonder how he's going to handle that because, you know, he, he ends up leaving the bar, the restaurant, but also she was out in the parking lot. I don't know if she was afraid to come in or, um, just sort of seeing how that's going to play out because I don't think, I don't think she's going to be a one-off character. I think she's going to end up playing a role with the team at some point this season. Yeah. I I don't think these writers do not seem to waste their time on characters who will not be weaved into future storylines or plot points. So we will definitely see her because she also served as a, a greater point in Vic has always come off to be a bit arrogant because he is mm-hmm. the Justice League member. He's the all-knowing, the supercomputer, do right, and this is what right is. And she shows him there's a gray area. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Everyone and judgment. And yeah. he's always in a state of judgment. I mean, yes. he never really wanted to be a part of Doom Patrols because he would judge all of them. These aren't heroes. These yeah. are just a bunch of freaks. Yeah, I'm glad um, you brought that scene up because that was, like, yeah, that, that would definitely uh, was one that really stood out to me and especially in the context of of what, what, what we we're dealing with in the real world too. But, but in particular, it, his very judgmental, arrogant, way and 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 you know she basically calling him out on it and and really calls him to have some self-reflection so again it, i think well that's what you think he calls she calls him out on it yeah then she stands him up and 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 i know she sent that email and he he found that information because she wanted him to yeah. and that was a test and he failed because as much as in that moment he realized something, he didn't, he still couldn't get over it. Because if he did, he would have seen her in the car and got in the car with her. That's but good. he didn't. Yeah. He, 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 he tossed her aside, essentially, and said, no, you're, you're a war criminal. I, this will never work. I, I'm, ju- I'm going to judge you again. Yeah. Which, yeah. which I think is the right move to make because. It would be weird for someone who who is so so ingrained with his beliefs about justice mm-hmm. that to have one conversation with someone, granted he does bang her, 
and then run off and suddenly his whole worldview. No, that doesn't happen. It takes yeah. a lot of conversations for your worldview to shift. True, true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, even though, yeah, he may have, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he, he, he did have a moment of like, okay, go ahead, kid. I'll let you go this time. But I think you're right. It, it this, she did set him up to see if that lesson did carry through or not. Yeah. Girls got some trust issues of our own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's it for us tonight. Clearly we're excited and on board with doom patrol season two, more of that to come along with finishing up star girl. Will, where can our listeners find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>